Hello, this is Mindy with Revive Your Soul with Mindy Joy Podcast, and I'm so glad and honored that you put on my podcast this morning. So this morning, might be evening by you, but it's morning by me on September 9th, 2023, and I want to talk about I can't get no satisfaction. Remember that song that Mick Jagger did? (laughs) So... Um, actually, I'm not so much singing about or talking about Mick Jagger, but I'm really talking about Ecclesiastes chapter one and chapter two. And I personally always had a problem with people saying, King Solomon was the wisest man ever, and there'll never be a wiser man than King Solomon. Because um, I know in First Kings uh, chapter three, verse 12, um, it says, Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, because Solomon asked for wisdom from God, and this is God speaking, so that none like you has been before you, and none shall arise after you. Um, and that was when you read more scriptures and you read First Kings and Second Kings and Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and everything, and you um, learn more about Solomon and the kings of Israel, you find out that in his lifetime, no king, this is about kings, that I believe that he was talking about there was no king in Israel that ever was as prosperous in every which way, shape, and form than Solomon, not before him. Um, there was never war in Israel, like nobody even dared fight you know, Israel, they were one nation. It wasn't the South and the North, which became divided after he died. Um, I personally think part of that was, um, or much of that was Solomon's fault of some things he had implemented in treating people, but that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, what uh, what we do affects future generations. We may not see it, because we won't be here, but it does. What we do affects other people. It really does have a ripple effect. So even if we think, I'm just going to isolate today and I'm going to put all the blinds down, I'm going to get out a bottle of wine or I'm going to, I just brought home this cake and this ice cream and I'm just going to eat it till I'm sick or I'm, you know, just going to, um, I went to the dispensary or whatever your thing is, or I'm just going to sleep and binge watch TV because I'm better than all those people who substance abuse. You know, that's like tongue in cheek. Um, Whatever the thing is that, you know, your escape in trying to find pleasure through your flesh, um, you know, there's somebody who may need you that day. There's something that you could have, I could have, we could have. I'm, I'm not just, you know, talking about something because I read a book about it. I'm giving personal experience here and pointing at myself too. But, you know, there's something that we could have worked at or accomplished and that never ultimately brings satisfaction. Eventually we feel like I didn't get anything done or it could, if you're doing substances, it could produce a hangover or you have a feeling of failure or you were so engrossed. I find myself, if I get into like too much, you know, watching movies and TV, I get so engrossed in other people's lives, whether it's real or make-believe that I totally lose focus for a while on my own. It's an escape from my own life to 
you know, watch um, somebody else's life. And, and yes, sometimes in that there's some inspiration or, or even a feeling of confirmation or validation, like, oh, this great person went through that too. Um, like, for example, I'll give an example. I read about, I mean, I saw a movie the other day at home with my husband about an, uh, it was a true story about a very well-known opera singer who's still alive in our day, a tenor, and he's blind. And it, it um, told the story of his life. And, you know, it did give me inspiration because I saw how hard he worked to sing. And I thought, wow, like he didn't just, you know, all of a sudden open his mouth and had this gorgeous voice. And in, and I relate to that because it's I do a lot of work to sing. Oh, my goodness. And it's even physically uncomfortable, you know, using your diaphragm and um, focusing and, you know, going before people and trying to forget everything and just think of the Lord while you're using, you know, skill that took years and years to cultivate. And even in that is not perfected. And, you know, I always, I feel like I could do better. And, you know, so, um, so anyways, yeah, it's, it's a lot. So I'm not saying, you know, be so extreme and don't ever get rest and don't ever take a vacation or take a day off. I mean, Hey, the Bible talks about take one day off a week. So I'm not getting into extremes here or trying to get into some religious stuff or argument with anybody, but I'm just going to go right to the scriptures and stop talking here. So it's not Mindy's opinion and Mindy ranting. So um, anyhow, but you do know when you hear me do this, that I'm a sister in the Lord, like you, right? Like, I, I always want you to get it. Like anything that, like you could do this too, like you could get your own you know, wisdom from the Bible, your own answers to problems from the Bible, you can hear from God. Like, I, you know, you can hear from God. Please know that. And you can get satisfaction. But in the first two chapters of Ecclesiastes, I felt in um, rereading it this morning because I read the Bible through the year and then I also read more than that and listen to other people teach throughout the week, including my own pastor. But, um, you know, I felt the two chapters that it was about just futileness and then the third chapter actually Solomon kind of answered some of his um, own questions so and it was more on an upbeat note but here we go we're going to talk about vanity so chapter one in Ecclesiastes says the words of the preacher the son of David king of Jerusalem so let's understand this is like the greatest king of Israel that ever lived. Maybe the greatest king. I, I won't argue that he might be like the greatest leader of a nation that ever lived. There was no war in, in these areas, in these areas, there was no war in his time. There was open worship of God. Like they had the most beautiful temple that God had the design for to build. Um, and that his father, David, had prepared, started to prepare and get the materials for him and put things in place so that when he died, his son could take over. So it was amongst um, a, an amazing place of worship. Worship went forth. Um, his, they were known. Everybody knew that the God of Israel was blessing Israel. People like the Queen of Sheba were coming to King Solomon for wisdom, traveling, bringing gifts. Other nations were giving gifts. They wanted to have good relations with Israel. And so Israel was um, probably the most um, prosperous nation of that time. And everything was just growing and harvesting and lovely. And architecture 
was above and beyond um you know you know just everything was just amazing everything was good in Solomon's lifetime everything was going well with the people except the slaves that was not and they you know there's just a little tiny bit mentioned about that but that becomes a big issue after he dies and his um son takes over and his son was short-lived and then because of um how treatment of the slaves were and how that and they asked for some mercy after Solomon died his son was very stubborn you can you know read about that but his son um said no i'm not going to treat you better than my father and then um that was the catalyst to Israel splitting where you had you know Judah and Israel um Samaria and Jerusalem you know two different two different nations two different places of worship and um yeah and it didn't go well after that. So, but at this time, I just want to give you some background. So verse 2 says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. And we know that we're hearing from Solomon right now. Vanity of vanities. He says it again. All is vanity. Okay, so what is he talking about? What does vanity mean? Well, of, of course, this was written in Hebrew. And the word vanity has some definitions. One is vapor, meaning it's poof, it's gone. Um, other is vanity, um, futility, uselessness, meaningless, nothingless. Like so, basically, he's saying nothing matters. Nothing matters. Everything is just poof. Like you work hard and it just goes away. Nothing sticks. Nothing good sticks. Um, and and he he sounds depressed when he's writing this. And verse three says, "What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun?" A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. So I'm thinking of this song that said, um, I'm going around in circles, you know, over somebody... um, that had, I don't know, they something about a love that wasn't going anywhere. Um, in circles, going around in circles. That's all I remember. It was kind of the chorus. It was a R&B song. I like that song. But anyways, um, you know, it's like everything goes in circles. What's the point? You know, and he says, it's really interesting. He says, um, in verse 7, he says, all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. And he's saying this is so negative. And I was thinking, you know, I look at that and I think that's fascinating. Like, you know, in the place where he wrote this, he was depressed and he was making a point. But I think that's fascinating that the sea doesn't flood, you know, but all streams run to the sea. I wonder, was he talking about the ocean? But um, maybe they called the ocean sea in Hebrew or something like that. But Anyways, you know, I find the ocean when I see the ocean fascinating and that, you know, in the book of Proverbs, it it talks about, you know, God was just so amazing. He knew to tell the, um, the waters where to end. Just think, you know, when you see, when you go to the beach, you know, those waves come in, but they stop, they stop and you could build houses, you know, um, several you know, several yards away, and everybody knows that the water won't come up unless there's a weather crisis, like a typhoon or, um, what are they, typhoons or hurricane or something, then the waters can, you know, get too high. But in Southern California, we don't really deal with that too much. It can happen, 
but we don't deal with that too much in the hurricane. Thank God that we didn't know what was going to be like. It really wasn't. It was just a bad storm, you know, and it wasn't like really that much damage or anything. But, you know, the water's nowhere to stop. So, you know, then you have your beaches, you have um, Venice Beach, you have Seal Beach, you have Newport Beach, you have Laguna Beach. And, you know, people built these beautiful, expensive suburbs there because they know that, do they call it suburbs? I'm My um, middle um, Midwest Chicago is coming out of me. I don't know if they call it, I don't think in California they call it suburbs. I don't know, cities, whatever. But, you know, it the water stop. And so... You know, I'm looking at this different, like he's depressed. So that was, you know, my point there. And he says, I, I just see God in all that. I just see God's design in all that. I look at the sky and when I see the wind that it just goes around, I just see God in all that. I just see God's design that no scientist can ever invent or create that. You know, they can give themselves a lot of credit for knowing just a little not even a drop in a bucket of understanding what God designed and they can have all the theories in the world about creation, but none of, but only, um, only God's wisdom is, is, um, (laughs) is correct. And he, you know, it talks about, um, in Psalm chapter two, that God laughs at the wisdom of man. It talks about that and, you know, that the foolishness, you know, that, that the foolishness of God, not that there's any foolishness in God, but if there was, it's way above the wisdom of the, the wisdom of the highest minds in the universe. It's just crazy that anybody thinks they're smarter than God or that God doesn't exist. But of course, we know we live in a world like that. Um, let's see. And it says, what has, and, and people, it's not, you know, in one way, it's not their fault that they don't believe because, you know, there is, uh, Satan is the ruler of this world and he's, um, the prince of the power of the air. So he can, he controls media. He controls, you know, he tries to, let's say he tries to, he tries to control the airwaves, what people hear, what they see on billboards, what comes on TV, what comes on Instagram, what comes on social media, um, what comes to the news. It's always been that way. This is not like anything new under the sun to quote Ecclesiastes. But when you have the wisdom of God and when you read the word of God and you're under good teaching, you know the difference between lies and truth. And without that, you just believe any old thing that just itches, you know, that sounds good to your ears and makes quote unquote sense. And, and it doesn't make, you know, you just, and you're just easily fooled, easily fooled. And so, um, so let's move on. Um, it says, let's see, um, is, I'll just go to verse 10. Is there a thing? Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. And I beg to differ with Solomon here. And you're like, what? What? Like, what kingdom have you built, Mindy? Like, what riches do you have? Okay, (laughs) who are you to beg to differ with Solomon, but I'm just going to just listen to me where he says, is there um, a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. Um, Yeah, I want to answer like, yes, it is. 
I beg to differ. You know what? You know what's new? You, you who are listening. There's never been you before you were born, and there won't be another you after you die. There's never been another Mindy before I was born, and there won't be after I die. And people are made in the image of God, and people are new. And we know that. That's why we have the joy of a new baby. I mean, what is, like, what can be more beautiful? Like, um, and a, and a, a marriage between two people, you know, that's still intrinsic in man. Like people still celebrate that. That's still, no matter how much people want to say they don't believe in God or whatever. Okay, fine. But when there's a marriage between a man and woman and they can have, you know, and going forth, they have a baby, you know, everybody, I mean, it's really easy to cry at a wedding and to see the beauty and just the awe in a wedding because it's two people. The Bible says they become one. So it's two individuals that have never been on this earth before who are both made in the image of God in a very unique expression coming together. And that marriage, they become one. And that marriage will never be like any other marriage. That's why you cannot compare yourself to somebody else. You can't compare your marriage to somebody else because your own marriage has its own uniqueness that is not like any other marriage because you are unique your husband or your wife is unique and you come together and you make a unique thing <laughs> that doesn't sound very profound but you make a unique thing of your your relationship is unique and you really come to think about it so is your friendships with people like their your your platonic friendships you know with um you know, with your friends, with, you know, your BFFs or whatever, you know, they they are, that's unique. Like the relationship I have um, with my friends, you know, when we share is unique, like it, because they bring their flavor into it. I bring my, so to speak, you know, my, um, my personality, my temperance, my uniqueness to it. And it's, it's a um, unique relationship as friendship, as, you know, teacher, student, you know, as you can, Go back and see the teachers that just really spoke into your life and really trained you secular and, you know, spiritual um, trainers at the gym, all them. They all had something different from somebody else. And that was a moment that you are moments or hours of your life that you gleaned, whether it was wisdom, a skill, um, strength that was in a different way that you get from anyone else. And I could truly say like from different voice teachers from the time I was in college to even high school, they all imparted to me something different. Every music teacher, every pastor, every minister, that's what's so beautiful about the body of Christ. We have pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets. Um, what did I leave out? Um, wait, pastors, Oh, apostles. Did I say five? Well, anyways, um, five-fold ministry. Like everybody, you know, and every, every single person under those ministries is uniquely that. Like uh, no apostles like any other apostle, no teachers like any other teacher, no pastors like any other pastor, no churches like any other church. We got to celebrate the uniqueness and not like compare and tear each other and devour one another with our words and our opinions and our criticism because that's what the devil would like to do. Um, so it says there was no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Um, I hear what you're saying, like as some, I hear what you're saying, King Solomon is like somebody, you know, dies as time moves on, you know, everybody focuses on the present and who's alive at the time. But I beg to differ that there is not no remembrance because the things that um, were imparted to me by great ministers, the founder of my church, and more than anybody, my late husband, um, the profound effect that it had on me being married to him for 17 years, um, a man of great wisdom, a man of 
you know, the fruits of the spirit, um, a, a loving man, a wise man, a giving man, um, a, a prophetic man, you know, that, that forever is with me. Of course, he was my late husband, so I was one with him. And now, you know, I've been married to my current husband um, for, um, I think, going on 15 years. And there's, you know, there's a whole new work that had to be done because when my late husband left, there, God had another assignment on my life. And so, um, you know, I just, as I'm speaking of that, and um, you might say, Mindy, you're going around in circles like the North Wind and what Solomon's talking about. Yeah, that's, um, I embrace that because I got something to say and it, it brought me something else and I'm hoping that it will encourage somebody out there that I think is important. I want to say right now to the single people is um, as you're, you know, preparing for marriage or you met somebody or whatever, um, always the number one question is, as a result of your relationship, if you come together in marriage, will you bring this person closer to God? Like just the organic, organicness of you both coming together and how you flow together and socialize and all that. Will you bring this person closer to God? Will he have a closer relationship to God because you're in his life and vice versa? Will you have a closer relationship with God because they're in your life and together will you serve God better than you would if than if you were single and th I think that's the most important question to ask and when you do serve God that's always within that under that spectrum is always blessing other people of being a blessing your talents and your gifts will soar your creativity will soar your your influence will soar in a very positive beautiful anointed way just like when Jesus sent out the disciples you know two by two and they came back and reported the great works that they did in um, using the name of Jesus and, and going forth in his authority. So I believe that, you know, um, in that, in the Gospels, when it talks about that, that's so pregnant with so much meaning and so much beauty. But that's one thing you can extract from that, you know. So that's just a little sidebar about marriage while I go through this. Um, and then it says um, in verse 12 in Ecclesiastes chapter one um, English Standard Version Bible. It says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. And I'll just put that what that comes to me about that. Yeah. What you do to satisfy your flesh. Yeah. I agree with a hundred percent with that. What you do to serve God, that's eternal. You know, the things that we see are temporal. The things that we don't see in the spirit, um, are eternal. The things of God are eternal. The things of God are eternal. So what you do to help somebody else, the prayers that just are privately you said in your home for other people, it says that in, in, um, you know, in the Bible that our prayers are eternal, you know, our praise that goes forth. You have no idea, like just praising God, how you change the atmosphere, praying for nations, praying all this counts. You might not see the fruits of it in your lifetime, the results of your prayer. And, and I believe that you will see a whole lot if you, if you pray about a lot of things and basically we should pray about everything that is, you know, that God puts on our heart to pray about, you will see results. 
and and um you know we've been given this authority again to you know use the name of jesus the authority and the power to break down strongholds uh the other chapter that was part of my reading today it just happened to be on my um reading schedule to read the bible through the year is second corinthians um chapter 10 and verse 3 says for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of god and take and and take every thought captive to obey christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So we don't only do that personally about ourselves, like take every thought that is not of God and bring it to the cap, you know, into obedience to Christ. But we, every thought around us, every mindset around us, every evil thing around us, we cast it down in Jesus name. We pray, we speak the word of God. We share the word of God. We, we, you know, and, and you have to be very wise and you have to know the Holy spirit. You have to know the, the voice of the Holy spirit. You have to know this text, the word of God, this holy ancient book that is like no other more have been sold. Um, than any other book in the whole world. Um, you have There's power in the word of God. You have to know the word of God, but you also have to practice the word of God and do the word of God so you learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so he can lead you when you do share about God to other people that it's not just rote and text and academic. It's like, I want to share with you, you know, these five scriptures that apply to your life or whatever. You know, that's good like for the believer or... But God gives us, you know, when you share with somebody that doesn't understand the Bible, doesn't know the Bible, God will tell you ways to reach their heart and maybe even have you pray for them in a way where they feel the anointing of God or they, 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 um, they experience some sort of healing, whether some sort of comfort through just being with you. You know, they want to be with you more. They want to call you more for answers to problems. They like hanging out in your house because they feel the peace of God. You know, people, unfortunately, because the devil did this, have a lot of church hurt. People have been hurt through churches. People, um, I know from my background, you know, the, um, the church history and church history has been a lot of genocide of Jewish people. So, of course, a Jewish person doesn't want to hear from a Christian. You know, I mean, just that's all they know. They haven't, you know, but if you, but if the love of God and the power of God, if they're in the presence of that, you know, they might see that what they saw in Christian quote unquote religions did not represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and their Messiah. It didn't represent their Messiah. It didn't re represent their scriptures. And it surely was, um, was of error and extremely faulty and erroneous if it hurt Jewish people because that's not, you know, God said to bless the seed of Abraham. So anything that's contrary to that was not of God. And I want to say that about any group of people, you know, slavery in the United States was not of God and they tried to use scripture for that. Of course, I mean, you have to be very sensitive when you minister to people because, of course, somebody doesn't want to hear it. I mean, hey, I, I wouldn't want to hear, you know, um, if my people were enslaved that, you know, and, and the race of people is, you know, all I see pictures of is, you know, the race of people that enslaved and caused all kinds of havoc with, you know, my generations. I, I would be leery of that, too. You know, so you have to know the Bible correctly. You have to know what the Bible says and not just go by the religion. 
you can't you can't go by Christian religions. You have to go by you know there are churches um, that are only teaching the Bible, and and that's beautiful and correct. But there's a whole lot of things under the um, umbrella of Christianity that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And I used to think that. I mean, as a kid, I used to see these churches, and they were false religions. And I thought that that, and they had really cool titles, really cool titles. The name of Jesus was in the title. And I thought because it had a big T, you know, across, that they all represented Jesus Christ, and they did not. And the Bible was not even their source of information. So, you know, we're, we're, we have the whole, we have a hurting, we have hurting nations and hurting people, you know, that have been hurt by Christians or in history, they're, their people, their lineage was hurt by Christians. So quote unquote Christians, not ambassadors of Christ that we should be, not us, but you know, they were hurt by Christian religions and that should have never been. And and of course that's you know, that's the ploy of the devil. Even when you see movies of um, you know, um a lot of fiction movies that are out there, you know, you'll see where um, wasn't the Terminator like that, um, where, you know, like there was a fake Terminator. And so people, they, you know, they cloned somebody who was a hero, but they're actually evil. So people see the clone and they're like, oh, this is our hero. We're going to make him our leader, but he's actually going to destroy the world. Isn't that like some kind of ongoing theme with a lot of movies? You know, they, they learn how to disguise themselves and that's what the devil did. You know, that was nothing new under the sun. That's what the devil did. He tried to disguise the real Jesus, you know, and bring forth these false, false religions. So people that were hungry for God, like my late pastor said, what the devil does is that, you know, he takes, a, um, wait, how did he say it? He takes a lie and wraps it up with a little bit of truth or the opposite. He, I think he used to say he takes the truth and wraps it up with a lie or something so that he gifts wrap, he gift wraps a lie in something that, you know, true and kind of godly. So, um, they have like a little bit of godliness, but underneath all of that is just satanic and so people are attracted to these quote-unquote churches or these places that they don't promote love they promote war they don't promote um healing they don't promote reconciliation with god they don't promote that god is a loving god they don't promote that god is available to everybody of every nation, of every race, of every background, of every economic background, and that everybody's equal with God. They don't promote that, which is what the Bible says. So I've said quite a lot, so I'm going to end this podcast right now, and I'm going to have a continuation of part two and part three, but um, I think my um, my next one might be um, by another title. Um you know, about work. I don't know. I might call, I can't get no satisfaction part two, probably. Okay. That's for me to decide. And that's my, um, that's my problem to solve. Have a blessed day to all my, um, to all you, you're very precious to me. And like I said, I don't mean to sound like really morbid, but I might not be on this earth when you hear this. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to die early. I believe in God to live 120 years, but I'm hoping that the seeds that I plant in this lifetime are going to, um, that the things I do for God are going to reach other generations. And I hope that that's your desire too. Um, and so I just pray in Jesus name that everybody listening under the sound of my voice, that the words that I spoke that did come from the, the throne of God, that they would stay with you. And anything I said, 
that didn't, that you won't even remember. Okay, be blessed.